A little bit different this weekend, can you tell? Um, yeah, so um, the notes. We're going to do notes a little bit different than we have done in the past. Jake was alluding to that. For right now, um, we felt like rather than print them um, and then have one more thing that you have to worry about and, and kind of go uh, after, uh, after that, I want to read how we're going to try to... Um, how we're going to try to do this. It's uh, um, maybe, um, well, maybe just, just maybe understand it this way. Uh, even though we don't have notes this weekend and we're not going to have it for the foreseeable future with uh, as far as printing them and handing them out, they are available. And Jake mentioned um, going to the app. So everything that we do note-wise, we're going to push you towards our app. If you don't have it, get the app. If you want to take notes tonight, it's a little bit different message in that what I had written uh, as far as a new series, I'm not going to do. I'm going to talk about something else tonight, kind of a one-off message, but I want to give you something real quick. If you were to text JFC uh, app to 77977, you'll find a place to be able to take notes. And for the foreseeable future, we're going to push all of our notes to be online so that you can take notes online. You don't have to worry about like hey, if we give you a pen, who had the pen before I had it? Were they chewing on the pen before I had it? Uh, you know, kind of what goes on with that. A little bit of a strange, um, you know, weekend for us to deal with, but I thought I would talk about that, and then I thought I would talk to you about what, um, what I felt like the Lord gave me. So why are we um, meeting here in person? I know that several churches that I respect, immensely respect, and pastors that I immensely respect, made a decision to go ahead and to, um, to not hold services for uh, the foreseeable future and to go to everything online. Um, by the way, because we did uh, um, campuses for so long and we produced video week in and week out, we have spent over the years hundreds of thousands of dollars in video equipment and we still produce uh, video every weekend. And in fact, this is the truth. We have software that can track on our website what people do, um, you know, when they make a visit to the website. And one of the things we track is how many people actually watch the message on the website over the weekend. And we have weekends. This is the honest truth. We have weekends where more people watch the message online than actually show up here on a weekend. Uh, so, for instance, last week, we, we had almost 1,500 people watch the message online last week. And that is not an abnormal thing to take place. So we are in a position uh, to be able to go to video if we need to. And, in fact, our video production is top-notch. We have people that are on staff that do that for us. Um, we produce that because we have people all over the world, not just here in our community, but literally all over the world who use our video for a number of different things. Some churches in places uh, like in Africa and in South America, they use it for their church, to be honest with you. And it's our joy to be able to produce that for them. So our, um, our meeting this weekend has nothing to do with whether or not we felt like we could produce uh, an online video. We can, and if we need to do that, we are willing to go to it. But the bottom line, why are we meeting here in person and um, doing at the same time a live online feed. It was this, 
and I know this is going to sound oversimple, and it, does, it is not bravado. I, from the bottom of my heart is with great humility that I'm about to say what I'm about to say. I simply have prayed since we knew this was going on, and I did not feel the Lord tell me to cancel this weekend. And because of that, I'm not just going to simply go with the pressure. Other people are doing it, so we should do it too. Now, wait, I need you to hear something. I know that that sounds like, hey, good for you, pastor, you made a stand. I do not, I, I want you to understand, it is not bravado that has me doing that. It is just simply that I, I believe that the Lord said not this weekend. That does not mean that depending on what happens and how this goes, that it will not be in our best interest to go to a video. And one of the best arguments for doing it, and the only one that I'm really even considering is the idea that um, right now, as this, this disease ramps up, one of the ways to battle it is to flatline it as fast as you can, meaning cut off all the access that, so that it can't multiply, right? And so that is probably one of the best arguments for why you sort of uh, self-quarantine and you don't, you don't go to places where you, know, you could possibly do that. But in my mind, I know this, unless we're all going to, for the next 30 or 90 days, just stay home and no one's going out. Anybody doing that? Okay, I don't, so I'll give you a lesson of why I think it's going to be difficult for people to do that. Last weekend, um, Chris and I had dinner uh, on Thursday. I had dinner, I'm sorry. I had dinner on Thursday with a missionary who just got in from Europe. Um, and he, he said that his wife was sick. Uh, didn't even, it didn't even enter my mind. So we eat dinner. Friday, he calls me, and he says, John, um, the church that we were at in Europe just called me the pastor, and many of his people um, have tested positive uh, for coronavirus, and that means um, that I've been exposed to it, and because we had dinner last night, you've been exposed to it. So he said, I took my wife to the emergency room. They've tested her, but it's going to take a minimum of 24 hours for you to find out whether or not you, you have it or not, right? So this is Friday. So um, I, I tell Chris, hey, I've got some interesting news. We're going to spend a lot of time together over the next 24 hours. And so we just decided we'll do that. We won't alarm anybody. Fortunately, we hadn't exposed anybody else to it. That was, that was a fortunate thing. But we knew that Pastor Dan DeMay was coming to speak that weekend, right? And so um, the CDC is over, so overwhelmed right now with trying to get back the response, at least last week on the test, that um, the missionary called me and said, I'm sorry, this was on Saturday, I'm sorry to let you know, um, they cannot let us know, and so we don't know what to tell you. So I called Dan, and I just said, hey, Dan, um, Chris and I haven't had a Saturday off in a long, long time. So we're going to hang out, and um, we'll, we'll be watching you online. You go for it. Dan was super gracious. We're expecting the call on Saturday night. Um, the missionary lets me know. CDC is still saying they can't get it, and it may now be on Monday. So I, I called Dan up, and I, I said, Dan, I've got to let you know we've been exposed. We don't want to expose our church right now. I don't want to expose you. I just simply don't know where we are. So we're just going to hang out this weekend at home. All right, long story short, we find out that um, she, she did not have it. He did not have it. And what we had was a wonderful weekend together um, <laughs> that we, we very much enjoyed. But I know that after 72 hours 
of not going anyplace and doing anything, um, we were ready to go on separate vacations for about uh, <laughs> several months. So, and we love each other, like each other, but uh, when you can't get away, ooh, let me tell you. So, uh, I don't think that many of us are prepared for the idea of just, we're just going to stay home. But I think we do have to think in terms of like, uh, in big places, that's what they say you're worried about. So if we feel like, um, I got on the phone yesterday, uh, uh, pastors were able to talk with the governor yesterday. And so we spent some time with the governor, and this is what the governor asked. The governor asked if, um, if your meetings are 250 people or less, go for it. If they're over 250, I need you to um, consider any other alternative that you, um, that you have. So look around real quick. We counted you on the way in. We are under 250 right now, right? That's great. So, um, so we're good. And I think um, as long as we kind of are dealing with this right here, uh, it's not violating anything that the, that the governor's having any problem with. Um, uh, you know, I... Um, you know, you might go, well, you know, does the governor have the right to tell us? The Bible tells us that we are to submit to authorities, okay? So I just want you to understand, I don't think it's one of these things, well, you know, by God, we're the church and they don't have the right to tell us. I disagree with that. I think that our witness in the community is absolutely crucial and important. Um, I, I felt like that um, the Lord did not tell me not to meet. I felt like we met all the criterias of being able to meet. And so we're doing everything that we can to make it safe if you want to come in person. If not, and you want to watch it online, it's a tremendously good experience. I know that we will have several thousand people over the next however long watch it online. We will make the experience for you as best as we can make it. I can tell you one thing about watching it online versus um, being live and in person. Uh, worship is never quite the same online. It's just not. You can, you can enjoy it, but it's not quite the same uh, as it is. So I'm going to recommend this, that if you feel in your heart that my safest way to handle this is to watch it online, um, more power to you, and we will do our very best to reproduce uh, in your house or hotel or wherever you are uh, the best experience we can. But I do want to caution you it, God never intended for church to be uh, only um, you uh, watching it in your living room and you're not having the fellowship that's supposed to come with it, right? So it's great as a temporary thing. Don't let it become a permanent thing. And I think we'll go um, along that line right there. Oh, and one other thing. Our president, um, Jake and I just read this. We double-checked this downstairs so that I can announce this for sure. A rabbi approached our president in the last couple of days with a word from the Lord. And um, they are calling a national day of prayer for our nation uh, to combat coronavirus tomorrow. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So I just want to, um, besides the billions of dollars that they're uh, going to invest in it, uh, wouldn't it just be wonderful if uh, my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray uh, and seek my face? The Bible promises that God would heal their land. Wouldn't it be wonderful 
if, um, if that took place, huh? So I want to encourage you tomorrow to be praying. Pray along with our president, with our nation. Um, and by the way, if you happen to be here and you're like, well, you know what? He's not my president. Well, uh, Governor Polis is not my governor. <laughs> Just so you know. But I submit myself to him because he is the governor and because he is the one that God has put in charge. And so as a believer, I submit myself. I do not resist him. Okay, I'm sorry. Enough of that. Let's just jump into this. I've only got this. I don't think it's a very long message. It is from my heart, and I didn't even bring notes. I just brought uh, my Bible. So I'm just going to read a couple of things to you that I felt like the Lord put in my heart. I, I hope that it brings comfort to you wherever you are. I know that some of you are experiencing like, what does this mean, and, and what's the outcome going to be, and what's going to happen? Um, let me just share a couple of things with you, and uh, we'll go from there. Um, the idea of fear and, and what the Bible has to say about fear. From the Old Testament through the New Testament, if you take any time to just study whenever the Bible talks about fear, it's amazing that God's advice is always fear not. It's always fear not. Now, look, fear has its place in our life. Uh, fear uh, has, uh, you know, there are times when in a moment of danger, that fear thing that you fear, uh, feel you should pay attention to it. But when the enemy comes into our life in order to control us with fear, oftentimes um, the Bible says that we have a choice that we have to make, and it, it gives us the advice to fear not. Uh, so I, just some, some of the things that you can see. When the angel Gabriel um, comes to Mary and Mary sees him for the first time, his message to her is, fear not. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Uh, when the shepherds see the host of angels, fear not. The message from God is that he is for uh, mankind. Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 1. Listen to these really powerful words. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me also. So on and on and on through the Bible, God is always encouraging us to trust him. Joshua who is a biblical representation in the Old Testament of Jesus, a picture of Jesus. He's not Jesus, a picture of Jesus. When Joshua uh, has to lead the people of Israel into the promised land three times in uh, like six verses over and over, he is told, fear not, fear not, fear not. Be strong, have courage, don't give in to this thing of fear. And so I thought I would just talk real quickly about fear and fear not this weekend. My favorite, favorite psalm I'm going to read to you. I'll read the whole thing because I think that it is just so powerful and I think that it speaks to the idea of fear and I want this to be your prayer, your theme, your shield, the thing that you turn to. If you, um, if you do not read your Bible on an ongoing basis, I want to challenge you over the next 30 days that every day I want you to read Psalms 91. Say, say read Psalms. Read Psalms 91. I want to challenge you to do it at least once a day, if not twice a day. I think that our response beyond using wisdom 
on things that uh, we're being told. I think that our response as believers is to live in this place right here. Now, by the way, um, so we're having to do a few funky things as a church. We're not printing notes. We're uh, disinfecting everything. We're, um, we're going out. We're keeping the doors open so no one has to touch it. Uh, Camille goes, don't, don't shake anybody's hand, slap high five. Uh, just wave at people. Uh, Soraya Pollock, one of our greeters, uh, uh, who, who is Asian, she said, here is the proper Asian greeting. Do this right here. I thought that's beautiful. That is how we will greet each other for the time being. We will, we will do this right here. Yeah. Did I do that right? Yes. By the way, I did that well, didn't I? Yes. I'm a, huh? No higher, no higher than the nose. That's important? Oh, yes. What does it mean if you... To the king. You do it to the king. Oh, to the king. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> to the king. That's the only one that goes higher than the nose. Okay. So Psalms 91, let me just read this to you and then I'll comment on a few things. Listen to the, listen to the beauty of the words. And, and the reason that I was pointing out that we're having to do a few strange things. Don't think that this is like the first time in the history of the world that the church hasn't had to figure out how to have services in difficult circumstances. So honestly, listen, this really is nothing uh, churches today in Iran and in China are having to figure out how to get to a house without being spotted so that they don't go to jail or lose their lives. And we might have to figure out how to bow to each other, but I, I will trade that over jail any day. How about, how about you? So it's not, folks, we got to put it in proportion on what, um, what churches have to do sometimes in order to meet together. Uh, so Psalms 91 verse 1 says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in him. Listen to this. He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. I'm going to read it one more time and I want you to be excited. <laughs> he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Yes. He will cover you with his feathers, he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night or the arrow that flies in the day. Listen to this. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, 10,000 die all around you, the evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see. Sometimes the wicked do get punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. No plague will come near your home. No plague will come near your home. 
He will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. And when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life. And I will give them my salvation. Wow. Now, I know it's weird. And I know right now that everything that you read, it just seems like it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. And by the way, in January, I just got done teaching a series on Revelation where I talked about the fact that some of the things coming to earth are going to be some plagues for which there are no scientific answers. Now, I don't think this is that. I think, to be honest, this is mild in comparison to some of those things that might be coming our way. But I think this is when the people of God need to say, okay, let's be smart. Let's do the things that medical science is telling us are wise to do. But at the same time, man, let's dig deep in our God and realize that he promises, I will watch over those who trust in my name. Right? I will do that. And we don't find those things. Like, if you're just like, oh, pastor, that's really poetic, nice-sounding language. Man, my question to you would be, is that the level of your faith? Is that it's just poetic-sounding language? Or is that really where your trust and your hope and your belief is at? And the reason that I would encourage you to read Psalms 91 every day is that faith comes by hearing. Hearing. So that if you find your faith being shaken right now, I can tell you why. Because the things you're hearing are not faith-filled things. And the news is not, their job is not to produce faith in you. The news's job is not to produce faith in you. The news's job is to produce excitement in you. They want you to be like, hey... Think about this. If you think that they are just writing things that are supposed to be non-emotional, that is not the idea. That does not mean that they are lying, but it means that they are coming from a particular point of view in this world. As a believer, you've got to add to that point of view faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the, the word of God. So I'm challenging you as your pastor. I'm encouraging you. I'm telling you a path through the next however many days we have until this thing peaks and begins to go the other way is that you've got to add faith to medical science. You've got to add faith to what the news says. You've got to add faith to the rumors that are going around. You have to. As a believer, you've got to add faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Read Psalms 91 every day so that whenever you hear these other things, you also balance it out with the fact that God said, I will watch over your life. I thought that when I was planning this and reading this and what I would say, I would tell you, um, I would tell you two stories, two that are true, they're factual, they, these happen, they didn't happen to somebody else, they happened to us in our life. And I can just tell you about God's faithfulness 
and God's ability to do what is unexplainable in other ways. Um, all of our children, uh, at, at, at one time or the other, you know, um, we've talked about uh, raising them and stories about them. Um, one that you may or may not know about is that when the twins were born, everything went, went uh, sailing along until right up to um, Chris's last appointment. And she went in for her last appointment with the twins, and um, she had preeclampsia. And uh, I won't take the time to talk about it, but it's, it's dangerous for a mom. And twins are a high-risk pregnancy anyway, and so she, she has preeclampsia. And the doctors decide it's in the best interest uh, of the children to go ahead and uh, induce the birth now. So Chris calls. I'm at work. She calls. She had gone in for a normal appointment. She said, hey, um, you're, you're going to be a dad. I'm like, I know. She said, in the next few hours, you need to get down here. This is going this direction. So come down. Um, they, they be in the process. Uh, David is the first baby that's born. And Dave comes out whistling Dixie. He's good to go. No problem. Uh, Danny, on the other hand, decided to add some drama to our life at the last moment. And Daniel, uh, in the process of being born, turned breech, so his behind is first instead of his head. The cord gets wrapped around his neck, and um, they're losing his heartbeat. And so uh, I, I was in for the birth of the kids, and it's, it was really, I had this terrible case of pink eye. Um, it was horrible. So they're, they're kind of like, okay, you know, don't touch anything. You can watch, but don't, don't get too close. Uh, and the only reason they even let me in there is that Chris said, I will not let you do this to me unless you let John come in the room. So the doctors were sort of forced to uh, let me with pink eye come in there. So David's born. Everything's good. By the way, when you have twins, you have, um, you have double nurses, double doctors, you know, double incubators. Everything's double. So David comes out whistling Dixie, no problem. Uh, Daniel goes into stress. They lose his heartbeat. Um, they have to do an emergency cesarean. Uh, Chris is knocked out. I'm standing there watching this. Um, they're having trouble. And so that when he's born, he looked, the only way I could, he looked like a little blue mummy. The only way I can describe it, not, not being silly or funny. He looked like a little blue mummy. He was tiny because he was premature, but because the cord had wrapped around his neck and it was on for too long, he hadn't breathed. So they were worried, um, uh, for, for brain damage. And, and so like, if you know, Daniel, now, you know. What what it happened? <laughs> He's on vacation in Florida right now. So uh, yeah. Um, so uh, he's born, and they um, they just take him and they whisk him away. And I don't know which way to go. I don't know. Do I do I follow him or do I stay with Chris? So I stay with Chris until they get her stitch up, and then I go to find Daniel, and by the time I find him, um, you know, they're, they're doing CPR, and they're um, just every place you could, you know, you could stick a tube and stick, it's just, it's, I mean, it's traumatic, and I don't know what to do, and uh, I'm trying to get close, and, and the doctors and the nurses are working frantically on him, 
And Chris is still asleep. She doesn't even know that this has happened. And I'm, I'm like, what do I do? And so I'm watching all of this go on. And I'm like, God, you know, what is, what is this? How can this happen to us? We're faithful. We serve you. This isn't supposed to happen. Now, where did that come from? You know, that's not in the Bible. Um, and so I'm dealing with this, and they're just working frantically on him. And um, I'm praying, and I'm dressed in this gown, and I've got pink eyes so bad. And just, you know, I, I'm exhausted. We've been up all night. I'm exhausted. I don't know how I'm going to tell Chris what's going on. It's a true story. True story. And I felt the Lord ask me this question. Do you trust me? Okay, right now, if he asked me that question, very easy to answer. Yes, I trust you. You bet I trust you. I trust you right now. I trust you if 150 people are in the room, and I trust you if 500 people are in this room. I trust you. You've proven yourself faithful to me my whole life. But when he asked me that question, I... Have you ever been asked a question and you know what's really being asked of you? Do you understand what I mean by that? Not just do you trust me. Here's what the question was. If he doesn't live, does it change anything between you and I? And I was afraid to answer that question. Because I was afraid if I said yes, that I was giving him permission like he needed it from me. Right? And I was afraid to say no because I was a pastor and I didn't want to admit that I had this great lack of. (sighs) We live with this illusion that we're in such control, don't we? Until stuff like this happens and we realize we really don't have any control, do we? Stuff is happening all around us and we live with an illusion of control. And sometimes we just need it because we're human and we need to feel like we're in control. The truth of the matter is we're actually in control of And so I stood there, and in my head, it felt like, you know, 10 minutes had gone by, but it was probably nothing more than 30 or 40 seconds. And I, I don't mean to make myself sound like some giant of faith, because I did not feel like a giant of faith in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I felt like I, I, felt like I couldn't answer, because if I say, no, I don't trust you, then everything that I'm preaching and teaching and believing in is being put to the test that I'm failing it. But if I say, yes, I do trust you, then I feel like I'm giving him permission to take my son home. And I felt caught in this really tight place. And the only scripture that came to my mind, listen to this weird scripture. In the book of Job, which is the oldest book in the Bible, Job makes this really... (laughs) Maybe the most faith-filled statement because of what he was going through. And these were Job's words. Even if you slay me, yet I will trust you. And so I, I would love to tell you like this moment of great faith came over me. It wasn't that. It was just the only answer that I felt like I could say to God. So even if you take him, I will always trust you. 
like it once I said it, it was going to give God permission to do it. And I said it, and this is what the Lord said to me. Go over there and pray for him, and I'm going to heal him. And I'm like, God, I can't do that. I got pink eye. Um, and the doctors are working on him, and he's in this little incubator. How am I going to do it? And so I, I just kind of walked up behind everybody, and I had a glove on my hand. So I, I reached through, and I laid my hand on his chest, and I said, hey, I need to pray for my son. And God is my witness. Every nurse and doctor went just like this. They bowed their heads so I could pray. And so I just said, God, you said that you would heal my son. So God, heal him, and thank you for doing that. And I just turned around, and I went, and I laid down, and I slept. And when I woke up, um, Chris was coming to, and so I was telling her, hey, this is what's happened, and we're upset, and you know, what's going to go on? And so I went to find Daniel. And um, so here's what they told me. Okay, now, we're not worried that he's going to live. But we are worried that because he was without oxygen for so long, that it's probably done damage to his brain. And I said, it hasn't. He's going to be just fine, right? So I ended up actually... Getting her, they moved her to a room. She gets checked in. She needed a blood transfusion because she had lost so much blood. It was a bad time for us. But I went home and I slept for about 12 hours. I was just so exhausted. I came back to the hospital. I go in and I check on her. How are you doing? Check on her. They still hadn't let her see Daniel yet. And I go to find Daniel. And then this is the next thing that they tell me. Okay, uh, his brain is fine. But we're not sure you know, how long he's going to be here because, you know, he's, he's been through a lot. And, he's, and I said, when we all go home, he's going home with us, Amen. right? Now, we were in the hospital for how many? Seven, seven days, which is a perfect number. <laughs> and seven days later, I packed up Chris, I packed up David, and I packed up Daniel, and we went home and the nurse on the way out said to me, God did exactly what you said, didn't he? I said, God did exactly what I said. And I give God praise for that, not because I am anything or because I had this word of faith. The Lord told me that he would do that. My trust is in the Lord. My faith is in the Lord. I've just seen the Lord time after time after time do it. Now, I've also been on the other side of equations where God's methodology of healing was not for this earth. It was for the other side of eternity. I've got a tremendous deposit in heaven that is waiting for me in some ways. Okay? But the other thing that I can tell you about our God when it comes to faithfulness has to do with all of you sitting in this place right here. About 22 years ago, with nothing more than a dream that God gave Chris and I, a dream to give up everything that we had in northern Colorado and to pursue him and to follow him here. I know that the Lord told me. He gave me the name. He gave me the vision. He gave me what he would do. God has been so faithful to me and to Chris and to all of us to see this church and our future 
hasn't even been scratched yet. I promise you because I know the vision he gave me and we're not doing that part of the vision yet. So the only reason I mention this to you right now is I want you to walk out of this room and if you're listening at home, I want you to know this too is going to pass. We're going to look back on this and laugh about this. What God is going to do with us and with us and in us and in our country. Folks, here's what I want you to know. I think the greatest revival the world has ever seen is heading our way. And I think things like this are beginning to show people we think we're in such control and we think that we're, we're in these places where, hey, we're controlling our destiny and science has discovered everything that they can discover and it's all kind of locked and loaded. Nope, I think things are going to be happening where more and more the only answer is going to be God coming through. God coming through. So I just want to say to you, it is not a time to be fearful. I know these things are scary. I think, listen to doctors. Listen to people in positions of authority and power. Uh, do, do those things to, to be wise people and to be humble people and to be people who show that as believers, we're not rebellious. We're not trying to do it our own way. But we've got to balance everything that happens with faith that our God is above all of these things. And that our commerce, listen, is not tied to what happens in New York or Beijing. And that our future is not tied in how quickly somebody comes up with a correction to this virus. Our hope is in our God. He is our strength and he is our shield. He is our buckler. He's the one watching over us. And so I just want to, man, I, I, I want this to be a time of faith for you. I want to encourage you with Psalms 91. I, I, I want to, if, if you will let me be your pastor and you will do this, if you will read Psalms 91 once a day minimum, maybe, maybe once in the morning and once at night before you go to bed, watch how your faith level will rise over the next 30 days and that you will find yourself not like, hey, this thing is just taking over. I think just the opposite. I think you're going to see your faith rise so much that something like this can't shake you so that when the next thing comes along, you're not going to be like, what's going to happen now? You're going to go, God took care of that. He's going to take care of this and nothing coming at us is bigger than our God. It's a bottom line. It's not bigger than our God. So I want to encourage you with that. I want to also remind you, always, 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 if you're sitting at home and you feel like, oh, maybe I should have gone, always do what you think. I had some nurses and a doctor who go to our church who said, we feel it's in the best interest uh, of our family and pastor. We think that you should listen to us on this. Uh, we think that you should cancel and go to a video. If, if this takes a turn in a way where that is the wisest thing to do, I will do it in a second. I will do it in a second. But unless the Lord tells me to do that, this is what God told me to do. And so I've got to do that, even if Chris and I are the only two that come and listen to it. Um, yeah, Ames will come. Yeah, Ames is in with me. Yeah, um, yeah. And the kids, the grandkids. Um, but even the people, even the staff, I'm just, I told my staff, I said, I don't want any of you to feel, do not, your paychecks aren't on the line. There's nothing, if you don't feel like you're supposed to be here, you don't need to be here. The same thing with our office too. I, I, I want them to feel that do the best thing, 
that you think that you need to do. Uh, I certainly don't want to find that they're in Hawaii for four weeks. Uh, <laughs> but I, honestly, I'm just saying, do what you think is the best thing to do. But I think as long as we comply with the law, and the law is not going against God's law, right? As long as we comply with the law and, um, and, and, and we're being smart with it that way, then I think, hey, let's let each one do what's right in their own conscience before God. Amen. Fair? All right. So, Lord, we love you and thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. And, God, we just trust you. We trust you to meet all the needs. Lord, this isn't going to... It's not going to mess you up in any way, shape, or form, and I trust you completely with this, Father. And so I just thank you for ministering at home right now. Speak to people, Father God, to be encouraged. Speak to people that are sitting here. Listen to me to be encouraged. Uh, Lord, don't let the enemy write, write, man, what's the right word there? Don't let him write the story of your faith. Let God write the story of your faith. And let this be an opportunity for you to live out that thing that, that you know is true. And when you hear your neighbors or your friends or co-workers uh, talk about... Uh, when people say silly things like, this is the end of mankind. Come on. That is not the end of mankind. That is not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says. Our God said that he's our defender and he's our healer and he's who we put our trust in. So I just reaffirm that in front of all of you right now. That that's where we live our life and that's how we, we move forward. There's no condemnation in any of those things of decisions that you make. But I'm trying to tell you, man, we are people of faith. People of faith. Not foolishness. People of faith. And so I pray that and pronounce that over you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.